0: I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to com slash schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com, or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Hey y'all, and welcome back. Today, we're gonna be talking about helping neurodivergent kids manage their free time this summer. It's July, so you may be already hearing, but I'm so bored. And many kids will say these things in the summer, but it's just more prevalent with kids who have ADHD, who need action all the time, or kids who struggle to come up with ideas of things to play with. So I'm going to explain what all of this is like for their brain and from their perspective and give you some ideas to think about today. All right, parents, we are in the thick of it. This is summer. You probably had this same feeling back with holiday vacation, but this is just an extended moment in time where kids have lots of opportunity to say, I'm so bored. So I don't know about you, but this summer is already feeling more hectic than any summer in recent memory. Is this the first summer since, like the first like full out summer since COVID It's the only thing I can put my finger on, but I'm just running low on parent stamina. And I guess my kids are getting older, so they have different interests, and I'm driving them different places, so it feels like an extra part-time job. Whatever the reason, I'm here to commiserate with you, and I'm also here to encourage you to do less. If you can, just do less, and teach your kids how to do less. And part of that is teaching them what to do with their free time. So if you're raising a child with ADHD and feel like you have to plan every second of their summer for them, you're already getting tired of hearing, but I'm so bored. And if you're raising a child who hates playing outside and is happy and just happy as can be inside the house, you're maybe worried about their vitamin D levels and their socialization, but summer is about balance. So let's build some skills about how to not wear ourselves out but also reap the benefits of rest. Free time can be hard for neurodivergent kids with executive functioning weaknesses. They don't know what time it is sometimes. A minute can feel like forever, or they could get hyper-focused on something and, and lose track of time, and all of a sudden it's time for bed, and that's part of where we get meltdowns with transitions. So what are the benefits of free time? Why would we want to work on this? there's quite a bit of advice out there and evidence and research that shows that we want to encourage and promote free time for our children. Free time allows children to experience what it's like to be bored, which gives them a chance to work out differences with siblings and lets them solve their own problems without us jumping in and solving it for them. So free time can also encourage independence. It provides time and space to practice social skills, and builds resilience when things don't go as planned. Exposure to free time is very beneficial for children who are ready to be independent, already have a solid understanding of their social world, not all social worlds, but their social world, and who are able to trust that they are not in danger when something unexpected happens, because if they feel they're in danger, they're going to run to a grown-up. So I say all that because free time can be difficult for children with weaknesses in executive functioning, emotional regulation, and social skills. So think about if your child is ready to practice some of these independent skills, even in a short time of day, maybe just one part of the day or one part of the week, maybe it's just Saturday morning that you're working on this, to help them build that trust to play and solve problems by themselves. All right. So when does free time backfire? Because I get this question a lot. So you try some of this free time and then you realize my kid can't do this. So here are a few of the patterns I notice. I call one the blissful solo player. So for many autistic and anxious children, solo play feels like the safest kind of play. No one enters their space. No one throws off their plan. And if allowed to, they never have to transition away from their solo play to other boring things like going to the bathroom or eating a snack. Also, many autistic children have superb memories of shows that they've seen or interactions that they've had in the classroom or at day camp, and they may act out in play what they are experiencing in life. And this is good for their brain to process things. They also may have heightened interests and an ability to hyper that allows them to really enjoy their solo play. For many, solo play can be a time of recovery after an overstimulating day. So I want to be clear that there's a time and a place for that solo play. But many parents of kids who do a lot of solo play, they're grateful for that time that their child is entertaining themselves so that they can make dinner or check their email But at the same time, many parents struggle with a gut feeling that maybe too much alone time is not giving their child opportunities for social practice and language development. Okay, the flip of this is a child who never leaves their caregiver alone. So I call this the never leaves you alone player. If your child falls into this category, you're already nodding your head. These children are either too anxious to play alone or too high energy to settle into play, or sometimes they say they're too bored because they struggle to be creative and come up with ideas. So they persistently seek connection usually with their parents and caregivers who often feel they need to be in the same room with them constantly to entertain their child. These play patterns can overwhelm parents, of course, so it's helpful to understand the skill weaknesses that are often happening leading to a child rarely being able to entertain themselves. So children experiencing anxiety may follow you around the house and need support and play, and they may follow you to an area of the house or just be close by, even if they can't see you or just so they can be able to hear you. So children with executive functioning weaknesses often struggle to plan their play, begin their play, and sustain their attention long enough to stick with their play. This might look like a child who frequently complains of being bored when you see lots of things for them to be doing, or the child loses interest really quickly. Some children struggle to come up with ideas for play, which sometimes has to do with executive functioning weaknesses and being able to visualize their play plan and get started. If forced to not interrupt their parents, we had a lot of this during (laughs) COVID lockdown when our children had to learn boundaries around parents working from home, but if forced to not interrupt their parents, these children may just wander around and never settle into an activity, unlike a child who has the skills to plan, execute, and create in a playtime. So while it's a social strength that these kids who are following you around are asking for help and engaging with you, relying on parents too much can limit their opportunities for independent problem-solving, that strengthens their resilience. So parents of these children often feel touched out or they find themselves cringing when they hear their mom one more time. If you feel this way, it's just time to add some structure to your family's schedule and here's how you do it. I wanna say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The regulation roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the reframing behavior worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com slash roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. I want to welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the referral tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdoctoremily.com tracker. This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdreemily.com tracker to get started. To support your child's free time, you have to make a routine when there is no routine. The first thing to understand is that your child's negative behavior during summer break is nothing new. Think about how the weekends go when there's not much going on. Are you able to work from home when your child's in the house? We know that children and all humans benefit from a routine, but there are some who really struggle to stay emotionally and behaviorally regulated without it. The most important strategy when teaching free time is to actually schedule it like you would any other activity. As my colleague, Kim Hughes, who's a Conscious Discipline Master Instructor, explains, where there is chaos... Add structure. I often recommend to frame free time as a free choice rather than just an open-ended free-for-all where the blissful solo player may disconnect from family and be happy as can be. The never-leaves-you-alone player either interrupts you relentlessly or wanders around aimlessly. So you need some structure here. So having a general daily schedule during a long string of days at home is essential But make sure the schedule isn't too detailed, because if it's too detailed, I have learned that if something doesn't go as planned, you can face the additional problem of children being emotionally upset due to the plans changing. So using something like what I have on my Substack blog this week, but I'm going to read it out to you. But if you're a visual person, head over to learnwithdremmily.substack.com to check out the visual list of activities. So, think about writing this out on a whiteboard in your kitchen so your kids can reference it. And of course, if your child is not reading yet, using photos of them or of the people and places in their life. So, a morning list. And they have these four to five things to do to get themselves ready to leave the house breakfast, a morning activity, snack, free choice time, where there are options, lunch, afternoon activity, snack another free choice time and then a nighttime list. And now this would be a day where there's no day camp. So if you're putting in a day camp or you're putting in um you know that would be the morning or the afternoon activity. And so the trick here is to make the routine really consistent and then follow through with the morning and afternoon activities so they're like anchors in the day. The meal times are also anchors in the day and the morning list and the nighttime list are anchors. Those are always the same and then activities during the day will change. So think through when you are doing free choice time, you're gonna be choosing these ahead of time with your child. So sit down with your child and create a free choice menu where they can practice brainstorming things they like to do alone, knowing that you will not be available for a certain amount of time. You can help visualize this time for them with a time timer, which I'll talk about a little later. Okay, so how does this help the blissful solo player, this build a routine when there is no routine? So when a child really loves to play alone, um, they're going to benefit from this because a written routine is going to be helpful for them to have some expectations and to stretch them a little bit. So this child will absolutely love free choice time, and they're not going to have any problem settling into their free play time. So your challenge here will be the transitions to stretching them to do other things. So this is where you help expand their ideas when you are adding maybe options to their free choice list and then helping them visualize the plan of going from free choice into a transition of running an errand or um, doing something that is less preferred. So the goal of your blissful solo player is to successfully just transition them away from free time. You can support this transition by joining them just before the shift needs to happen. Think about how much time they may need to process that this change is happening and to emotionally regulate the change. So you may be able to make this shift in a few minutes, but they may need 15 minutes to think this through. So think about the time frame so that you're not stressed about having to rush them through the feelings that they're having about the change so you can join them just before the shift needs to happen but that timing will be variable engage with them in their task, so join their play talk about what's going on in their play then help them transition by moving on together instead of just telling them to stop and and let's go. Some kids are anxious about leaving what they're working on, so you can create a visual stop sign or a pause button to place on the play area that's like a to be continued so that they know the next time they come back, it will be there. It's helpful though across your household to teach siblings that the stop and the pause sign, whichever one you decide to use, is respected. And if you see one on a dollhouse or a Lego creation that you don't touch it because that's saved for someone's play later on. It helps kids walk away and trust that their play is safe. Okay, so how does building a routine when there is no routine helpful for the kid who never leaves you alone? So as the expert on your child, you will need to decide what an appropriate time span is and location will be for their free choice time. So you are teaching them how to do solo play here. So start with what you think your child can do and expand the time frame or distance from you from there. Some children will need for you to get them started on an activity. Be reassured when something is a small problem that they can solve on their own or when to come get you. They'll need rules for that or be reminded when it's okay to interrupt you for help. So use the time timer in these instances to let kids know when you will be available again to be interrupted. Instead of presenting them with, you get this much playtime, let them know you can come get me when the timer goes off. Remember, you're teaching them how to be independent, so encourage and praise their successes. Let them know how helpful it was that you were able to call a friend, check your email, or do the laundry, Also, your child may not fall exclusively into one of these two categories, but likely have moments when you can relate to these ideas. Just remember, for most neurodivergent children, more structure is better, visuals are helpful even if your child is highly verbal, and consistent schedules are often magical. So one last note about siblings. Some siblings are not yet developmentally ready to play without adult supervision, If you can't walk away without someone getting hurt or calling someone an insulting name, your kids might not yet have the social skills to consistently take turns, compromise, and ask for help. Until at least one of your children has these skills, you'll likely need to step in when play turns into name-calling, help them compromise, and then let them try again. For some families, a parent or sitter needs to be in the mix to help keep everyone safe while playing. Again, remember, Think about your life and your day and your week and where there is chaos, add structure. If siblings are not able to play without supervision, add in a predictable alone time and supervised together time. Above all, have fun. Okay, y'all, we'll meet back here next week. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.